Hi, this is Jonathan Keller. And this is John Girardi. Happy to be with you again here on Life, Family, Liberty, the flagship podcast for California Family Council. Also the only podcast, but... (laughs) It's currently true. So we are actually kind of recording this emergency episode. We had a couple of episodes, uh, I guess, in the can to use radio parlance that were pre-recorded. But Mm -hmm. this is kind of a breaking news alert because today, Friday the 13th (laughs) of... (laughs) An appropriate day. May 2016, uh, the Obama administration, specifically the Department of Education and the Department of Justice, issued really a shocking and... I think, John, the word you used was brazen statement about bathroom usage that's going to affect every single child that is enrolled in a state-funded public school in the country. Yep. Uh, So essentially what happened, let's just jump into what happened. So the Department of Justice and the Department of Education released joint letters and sort of guidelines for informing public school districts around the country that, first of all, Title IX, which is the Federal Education Anti-Discrimination Law, essentially requires them to open up their bathrooms within their schools to any student who identifies as a particular gender. So essentially right now in most public schools around the country, although not in California, in most public schools around the country, if you are a biological boy, you go and use the men's restroom. If you are a biological girl, you go to use the women's restroom. It is a classification based on sex, on biological sex. Now, Title IX generally prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex. So while in certain cases, uh, men and women can have separate separate facilities or separate sports teams, things like that, the accommodations for men have to be equal to the accommodations for women, vice versa. So to clarify, that's, that's one reason why almost all schools that are publicly funded in the country have both men's and women's sports teams for right. major Major sports, right? Foot, uh, not football, but for basketball, for not soccer. Football, but the, for... there are also things though that, like, if you have a, a men's football team and they have all these, you have all these football players, you have to equal it out somehow on the women's side. So you have to have like the same number of female athletes as you have male athletes, and scho- not the, the same, same sport, number, but the same number of scholarships. I think have uh, to be available okay. to both. Spending has to be commensurate, right? And, and that's why, uh, for example, most uh, a lot of men's wrestling teams uh, around the country are getting cut. Uh, because it's uh, sort of a money loser and it has a bunch of guys involved, not too many girls, and you can sacrifice it to make up for the football team. What the Department of Justice and Department of Education are saying is that Title IX's prohibitions on discrimination on the basis of sex also apply to gender identity and gender expression, that sex includes the concepts of gender identity and gender expression. And what the Obama administration is telling these school districts is... If you discriminate against a transgender student on the basis of his or her gender identity or expression, that is to say by not allowing them to use the bathrooms or shower areas or changing rooms or locker rooms that match their gender identity, then you could potentially run afoul of Title IX. And what happens when you run afoul of Title IX? Well, you can lose out on federal funding or you could be open to a lawsuit. But generally speaking, that only applies to... The schools in question, the individual schools in question. It's not a statewide thing, correct? No, yeah. This this is. I think it's based on on school district. I, I, I or there might be. It might be in some way related. Or if it's a college or university, or if it's, it's an individual like college or university. So effectively, what the Obama administration is doing is is a very common move. You have 
you know, federal money being given out to state and local governmental agencies or private colleges or whatever. And then they put strings attached to the receipt of that money. Like, okay, well, if you want this money, that's fine, but you have to do this, this, and this uh, in order to get the money. They're they're using it really as, I mean, not just a carrot, but almost as a stick at this point because it's... Right, because it's it's money that it would be almost impossible to pass up or it's, it's like borderline irresponsible to pass up. I mean, like, this is why every state in the union has... Uh, the legal driving age is 21. The con- drinking age. The drinking legal age. Drinking age. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Uh, the Constitution doesn't, like, require the legal drinking age to be set at 21 or something. If a state wants to, they can set their legal drinking age at 16. They can set it at 18. They can, yeah. they can do whatever they want. But it's they just forgo those, head, those federal highway federal funds. federal highway dollars that say, hey, if you want to get these federal highway funds... You got to. You can't do it if you have a state law uh, that allows people to drink under the age of twenty-one. So every state, the states are like, well, we can't pass up that money. It's so much money. We're strapped as it is. And, and to clarify, yeah. I know that a lot of our our listeners are obviously astute and politically savvy. But the thing that is just insane is that this is the state's money to begin with, because this is money that is. I don't want to get too libertarian here, but it's uh, it's money that has been paid by the citizens of that state to the federal government. Yeah. And it's it's paid, you know, under threat of jail time by yeah. the IRS. Hey, <laughs> oh, man, libertarian. I'm, Jonathan I'm, I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> so in, in some of these cases, let's say North Carolina, as an example, North Carolina citizens pay the federal government taxes and they expect, oh, well, the federal government is now going to give that money back to the states in terms of funding for education or in terms of funding for highway funds or whatever it is. Generally speaking, there isn't a problem until you have a politicized Department of Justice and a politicized Department of Education that decide, hey, we've got this money and uh, now we can force you to do what we want with it. Right, in order to get it. So so in that way, this is a kind of common move by the feds. What was uncommon about this, though, was the kind of sleight of hand that maybe some of you who are listening astutely noticed. Uh, The Department of Justice and Department of Education are saying that gender identity and gender expression uh, are included in the concept of sex. So when Title IX prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex, they're also including discrimination on the basis of gender identity and gender expression. I don't think we're allowed to curse on this, Jonathan. But this is a bunch of BS. Yes. This is It's ridiculous. a bologna so, sandwich. This is a bologna sandwich of the highest order <laughs> or of the lowest order, however you want to look at it. So uh, here are the facts. In 1972, Title IX was passed. How big of an issue was transge- were transgender rights in 1972? Virtually none. None. I mean, I'm sure that there were people who had cross-dressed, there were people that had thought of it and talked about right. it in the past, but it was not a widespread social issue. Certainly was not an issue in the 1972 presidential campaign. No, Let's it put was it that not. Way. No, it was not. So Title IX gets passed in 1972. In 1975, uh, a regulation interpreting uh, Title IX's uh, prohibitions on uh, discrimination on the basis of sex clarifies that having separate bathrooms designated on the basis of sex is not a violation of Title IX. Okay, so that is not unlawful or impermissible, impermissible, quote, discrimination, quote, on the basis of sex, as long as you're providing equal facilities for both men and women. Uh, and the problem with so much of our political discourse, but to get us on a tangent slightly, is uh, when you hear something that sounds like separate but equal, people immediately start, like, 
reacting and saying, oh, that separate but equal, that, you can't have that. Well, okay, in the context of the civil rights era, separate but equal was wrong because the separation rendered things inherently unequal. Okay, uh, ha- having a separate college, having a separate state school for black people that was, quote, equal was genuinely unequal because it didn't have the same sort of prestige that the white colleges had. Okay, so having separate bathrooms on the basis of sex when the bathrooms are of equal quality Yes, it's separate, it's equal, but we have recognized throughout our history that separate but equal can actually exist, that it is a good thing, particularly in these cases. And, and I think also Ryan Anderson in his really great book, um, you know, Marriage or Truth Overruled, mm-hmm. you know, The Future of Marriage and Religious Liberty, he makes a great point about why the the issue of transgenderism is not remotely like race. And, and he right. said that it's actually insulting because it is... It implies that there is some sort of inherent difference that we just have agreed as a society to overlook mm-hmm. between people of different ethnic backgrounds. Right. A- and the reality is there is no difference. There is no moral, ethical, religious no. difference. There's no difference whatsoever You're... between people whose skin has more melanin or less melanin. Right, exactly. It... So th- this is the, de- the, the sleight of hand that the Obama administration has said. Gender identity is part of sex and part of the term sex as it was used in Title IX. These regulations that follow Title IX, and which are still applicable, and which the Obama administration has not overruled, say that you can have separate bathrooms designated on the basis of sex. Well, what the Obama administration is now saying is that, well, sex is, I guess, gender identity? (laughs) That gender identity is your sex? Uh. That... That biological sex is a completely meaningless category. And in fact, the constant language that is used throughout this and in most sort of liberal academic literature about this, they talk about the sex assigned to you at birth as if there was some doctor who was writing on a sheet and said, oh, this one's a boy. Oh, this one's like arbitrarily yeah. just sort of deciding. Yeah, this is this is this is your sex. No, it, let's say that you had a doctor who never saw the child, but had a blood sample from the child yeah. at birth, and could look at the blood, look at the DNA, and say, "Oh, this, this is, is an a XX. an XX <laughs> this is a child. Girl. This is a XY child. This is a boy," and has nothing to do with perception. It has everything to do with reality. Right, exactly. One of the best pieces I've read on this question, uh, I read a piece from National Review, which actually was published like three days ago on May 10th, 2016. It was written by a guy named Ed Whelan. Uh, I'll try to provide a link to it in the podcast description. And he's great. He's from the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He's a brilliant analyst from mm-hmm. back in Washington, D.C. And yeah, this I've not read the whole piece yet, but from what you were telling me, this is a great, great piece. So he wrote this in response to a decision by the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals back in April, who decided that essentially public schools have to, in order to comply with Title IX, have to allow transgender students to use the bathroom that fits their perceived gender identity, not their biological sex. Uh, So it's very relevant to today's discussion. And one of the things he points out is that the concept that it is, quote, gender discrimination to prevent a boy who identifies as a female from using female bathrooms in locker rooms. He points out that when you discriminate on the basis of a certain quality, you make that quality the basis for determining how someone is going to be treated. So if I have a school, and I'm I'm in the South in the 50s, and uh, I'm going to have the bathrooms segregated on the basis of race, 
I make race the determining factor in assigning where someone's going to go. White people go here, black people go here. The color of your skin determines which bathroom you use. All right. What schools have been doing in requiring biological boys to go to boys' rooms and biological girls to go to girls' rooms is not actually discriminating against someone on the basis of gender identity. Your gender identity is irrelevant to the whole question. So to say that, quote, discrimination on the basis of sex, end quote, in Title IX applies to gender identity, the whole logic of the argument falls apart on itself. Because you're not actually discriminate. this is not an instance of discriminating on the basis of gender identity. Uh, it is separating boys and girls into separate bathrooms in a way that is permitted under regulations since since Title IX was launched, uh, providing them with separate and equal bathroom facilities. Again, separate but equal is not always wrong. Surely there wasn't a, a famous uh, feminist in the 1970s when this law that was being passed that actually said separate but equal restrooms were fine. Oh, yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was, try, who was arguing at the time that, uh, who was trying to argue in favor of the Equal Rights Amendment by saying that it would not, uh, by saying equality of the sexes did not require uh, transgender bathroom usage or men using women's bathrooms or anything like that. So we'll, we'll see how, uh, if she holds true to her uh, beliefs from 1975, uh, if the Supreme Court takes this up. So... Uh, the Obama administration has framed this whole thing as conservatives are trying to pick on and persecute transgender students. They are attacking them. And that's not the case. This isn't discrimination on the basis of gender identity. It is based on biological sex. Gender identity isn't actually part of the discussion. It, before you start saying that we're a bunch of heartless, cruel idiots. <laughs> you can say that for other reasons, I mean, you can but say not that for, for other reasons, but not for this. Uh, and that we're just trying to pick on transgender kids. What we care about right now is not so much, we're not like saying transgender students are perverts and that they should all be predators. locked up yeah. or that they're predators or that the, the transgender kids should be made to feel awful and should be locked up. Uh, or even that if a trans, if a kid has genuine, you know, uh, gender identity issues and, and is, is uncertain about how he feels, uh, that, that maybe some accommodations for privacy can't be made for a student. That, that, that school, you know, I, I would be fine if schools had a couple of, you know, single-user bathrooms that were sure. open to students sure. that, that, who, who were un, uncomfortable with things. Well, and for example, we were at a coffee shop today. They had one restroom. It yeah. had a male sign and a female sign on the door, and right. it had a, a handicap sign on the door. Right, exactly. There's nothing wrong with men and women sharing the same facilities just we just at object at the same time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. A, a significant problem that we have is how do you prove, how do you actually distinguish between, on the one hand, someone who genuinely is is feeling as though he is a different gender, he or she is a different gender, and on the other hand, someone who is a creep and an opportunist who wants to take advantage of these rules in order to, you know, engage in voyeurism or what or something worse. And that's the problem with the gender identity that the Obama administration is espousing, is that there is no actual room for questioning someone. Uh, so let me read a selection. Now, this is from the guidelines that th – this is from, I think, the letter that the Obama administration submitted to the president's – to the leadership of every school district in the country. So here's a direct quote. Under Title IX, there is no medical diagnosis or treatment requirement that students must meet as a prerequisite 
to being treated consistent with their gender identity. Because transgender students often are unable to obtain identification documents that reflect their gender identity, for example, due to restrictions imposed by state or local law in their place of birth or residence, requiring students to produce such identification documents in order to treat them consistent with their gender identity may violate Title IX when doing so has the practical effect of limiting or denying students equal access to an educational program or activity. So not only is there no like proof standard that you have to show, but you may actually be running afoul of Title IX if you press a student too hard to prove that, yeah, you genuinely have like a different gender. The, the whole tenor of the documents that have been issued by the Department of Justice and Department of Education is that we're not going to actually require any proof. They're just assuming that everyone who's going to make use of this is going to be a good actor. Uh, and, and the fact of the matter is they have no way of demonstrating that. And that's the other thing that we can get into is the lack of parental involvement that's required in all. The way the Obama administration is uh, sort of outlining this whole thing is they're sort of saying, how, how do we determine that a student is it needs to be treated according to a different sort of gender identity different from their actual biological sex? Well, the way we do it is we sort of assume that the uh, student will come to the administration or the student's parents will come to the administration of the school and will express this and then we treat them that way. When sort of digging into the issue of, okay, do we need the parents to be involved? Do we need the student to be involved? The whole tone of the DOE's uh, letter is completely just blah about the involvement of parents, especially as the child gets older. As the child gets older, more and more, the Department of Education seems to think that the parents should do not need to be involved at all. Precisely the, the, as you approach the age where this becomes more dangerous for other students, precisely as you approach the ages, i.e. teenage, you know, puberty and teenagehood and uh, teenage boys becoming aware of girls, uh, precisely at the point where this becomes more dangerous for girls, the need for parental involvement, if there was any ever any need at all, which it's very clear that there's no need for it, um, it, it becomes almost completely eliminated based on the same kinds of arguments that underlie you know, laws like abortion laws that prohibit doctors from telling parents that their child is pregnant. The, the idea that, oh, this could subject the child to persecution or physical harm or something at home, so we're just not going to tell the parent. It is yet another instance of public educators inserting themselves into a parental role. They're just going to take the student's word for it that the student has this gender identity, and they're not going to tell. And if the child doesn't want them to, they're not going to tell the parents. They're not going to have the parents be involved. Wow. Well, that's folks. It really is kind of crazy when you think about this. And and like we said, this is kind of a news breaking podcast, breaking news podcast. So we'll be coming back and sharing more with you about this probably in the next week or two. Uh, we will also be taking a, a special show on the road in the next couple weeks and recording some episodes from Washington D.C. with some of our friends from Alliance Defending Freedom. When John and I are back there for the big Watchman on the Wall conference, but in the meantime, we encourage you. You can always find out more about this and other issues by visiting our website, CaliforniaFamily.org, following us on Twitter at CA Family on Twitter, and you can email John or I, Jonathan K at CaliforniaFamily.org, and John G at CaliforniaFamily.org. But folks, this is a crazy world that we are living in. This just goes to show why I think it's so important that all of us here at California Family Council and all of you out there listening stand together and speak about not just our opinions, not just our feelings, but at this point, we just have to defend reality. 
actual physical and biological reality. So we, we appreciate you standing with us, and we appreciate your prayers and support as we continue to stand firm on this. So for Life, Family, Liberty, I'm John Girardi. I'm Jonathan Keller. Thank you so much for listening, and God bless. Talk to you next time.